I'm Zach Bohannon. I make my living telling stories, but I'm also a metalhead, retired drummer, avid gamer, and most importantly, a loving husband and father. Join me each week as I sit down with a fellow dad and discuss balancing a creative life with family, careers, hobbies, and all the other things guys love. This is the Creator Dad Podcast. Roland, man, it is so good to finally talk to you. Like we were talking before we came on and uh, like we've been in communities and known about each other for years, but, uh, and we might've talked one time, like we, we said, but it's, uh, if we had, it's been a very long time. So it's awesome to see you. Yeah, it's awesome to see you too. Yeah, it feels like it's been so many years that I feel like I know you. Yeah, I know it's it's. And it, I've heard your voice. You've heard I've heard your voice so many more times than you've heard mine. So yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's funny because I feel uh, similarly. I feel a really similar way about you, just because you know when I got into this <clears throat> back in 2014, you know, was and started listening to a lot of podcasts your name would come up all the time on podcast. You know, we got a question from Roland Denzel and I would be like, who the heck is Roland Denzel? Like this dude asked a lot of questions and like, but, but it was funny in a way I felt like I was starting to get to know you the same way, which as you're kind of saying now, I mean, that happens when you have a podcast and, and uh, I'll go to conferences. I've, I've said this on here before, like I'll go to conferences and people walk up and just start talking to me. Like I know them and I don't, and I have to stop them and be like, what's your name? Where are you from type of thing, you know? And it's just, but uh, yeah. And, and I'm like that with podcasts, you hear a voice every single week and you really feel like you get to know that person. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it made sense. I wanted to have you on here. You know, you've been, uh, like I said, we've been in some of the same communities and stuff and you've been a supporter of this podcast in the beginning. And uh, you know, I, I feel like you'll have a lot of cool stuff for us to talk about that, uh, that, I haven't touched on yet, you know, especially in the health area and stuff. So um, I, I am kind of curious, like I'm going to use this podcast too, because we've really never talked and you've always been around. And I know some stuff about you, but I feel like I'm going to use this kind of get to know you and stuff. And like, I, I want to know about like your story and, and also about like what you're, what you're doing with your business. Cause I think you're doing some really cool things. Um, but what's funny is I think that you, if I had to guess, and I could be wrong, I think you and I kind of have similar stories on how we got started in a weird way. Um, so like, I don't know, like take, take, take us back. Like, how did you okay. kind of get started in this, in this writing thing and everything you're doing now? Um, well, like everybody, like all, most writers, like I've always written something, you know, but so like in college and before that I was writing stories and but I never really took it seriously because between you and me, like what I looked at, like, what does it take to be an author? It was like, find an agent, submit all these things. And so I kind of went, well, you know, I'll just write other things that are like, that I don't have to do that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Because I feel like I don't really have that drive at that point. Um, but my, so my first real book that I published was inspired with it's called man on top it's a men's weight loss and fitness book and it's sort of inspired by my by my health journey and i co-authored it with um the woman who's now my wife she was not my wife at the time but we met we decided to write the book together she's a was a fitness professional so we use her credibility and expertise in my story and so in during the writing of that we sort of 
um, fell in love and wrote the book. So, so she sort of inspired it, helped inspire me to, to actually finish the book, write the book. And then we sort of have been through this journey together. But what actually inspired this book was um, my desire to still be around for my family <laughs> into my into my my golden years. Of course, I wasn't in my golden years back then. But <laughs> um, but uh, you know, when I remember one day, the moment that I always share with people is, I had quite a bit of weight to lose. Probably at one point, I at one point I've lost 110 pounds. So. I don't know. I was afraid of the scale. I didn't really weigh myself regularly. So I don't really know how heavy I was at the time. But my daughter, who was maybe three or four, asked me for a glass of water. So I went downstairs, got her the glass of water and brought it back up. And she said, Daddy, you didn't have to run. And I'm like, because <laughs> trust me, I had not run. I had just gone up a few stairs, you know, and I guess I was panting and breathing hard. And that sort of really hit home because that's when I started to realize that I can't play with my kids on the same level I really wanted to. Um, when I, I used to be at my times when I was less heavy, I was also more active and I felt better. And I just decided that I looked at my kids, I had two, a little, like a, a very small son at the time and my daughter I said, you know, I'd really like to kind of be around. So that's when I took care, control of my own weight, started to get healthy and um, so, like I said, I lost 110 pounds at one point, um, started working out because you know the story, like you can, you can get be too, you can be too, too skinny, right? So mm -hmm. I lost a lot of fat, lost a lot of muscle. So I started having to build things back up again. And I got so passionate about health and nutrition that I got certified, uh, sort of training people and sort of a, like as a side thing and um, blogging about it. And that's really what eventually, you know, turned into my passion for writing about this enough to write my first, my first, my first real book. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was right. Our stories are actually really similar. Okay, <laughs> they definitely good. tapered off at some point. Um, like, cause I, uh, you know, that was kind of the, what got me going too. I, I lost 115 pounds in 15 months oh. at one point, um, and got really, what, what it taught me more than anything uh, that, that it has translated into my business now was the dis like discipline. And, um, because like, I literally went from, you know, just like, like uh, uh, discipline and time management, because I you know, work going to the gym, eating better, all that stuff made me uh, like start getting up earlier, doing stuff before work instead of like hitting snooze, mm -hmm. like getting up at the last possible moment and, you know, eating better, you know, that takes preparation, you know, to make time to do your meals and, and, and meal prep on Sundays where I would like make good choices during the week and all that stuff. And that all bled into um, my, where I am now, where like, and we're in what got me a full-time writer where I would like wake up early and write and all that stuff. But um, and my, my first book, I don't know if you know this or not, but like was a weight loss book. That was the first thing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, that was the, that was, I, I wrote a book about my journey um, and, and everything. And it's, it's terrible. Like it's unpublished <laughs> now. So it, it really is. Cause like, I didn't do all the stuff we know, like I didn't get an editor or anything. So it really is, it's bad. So it's not published or anything. Um, but uh but so, yeah, so I had that journey too. Unfortunately for me, 
Um, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit because I'm kind of curious, but like I hit major, major burnout <laughs> mm. with, um, I just had way too much going on. Like I was, um, I, I was, I was really trying to maintain my weight. Um, cause I, I, I have since gained a lot of my weight back. So I, I wasn't a hundred pounds heavier than I am now. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, but you know, I, I was working at the gym, like going there in the morning, going there after work. I had my full-time job. Because uh, you became one, a personal trainer at one point. Yeah, too, I was a personal you? trainer. Yeah. So at one time, by the time I started actually getting serious about writing, I was, um, I was training a few days before work. I was going to a gym and tra training other people. I had a couple days a week. I had classes after work. Um, I was starting to try to fit in my writing. I had my full-time job. My daughter had just been born. My daughter was, by the time I started writing, my daughter was like three months old. Um, and I, you know, had my wife. So, uh, and you know, like I had, to, and I also had to fit in keeping myself healthy and right. all that. And it was just, it was way too much. And then what ended up happening with me is once I put out Empty Bodies, my first book, it did really, really well for a first book and actually made more money in a month than I had personal training the whole previous year. Oh, wow. So, um, and, and keep in mind, my personal training thing was a side gig and a side hustle. And it wasn't yeah, but I, still, if you yeah. look at like personal training as a side gig or writing as a side gig at that point, that was my thing. And you That's... combine that with me being just totally burnt out. Um, <clears throat> so that turned into me putting a lot more focus on writing, but in turn, like putting less focus in on my health and I ended up gaining weight back and stuff. So, um, fortunately, like I'm in a place now and there's a lot of other stuff that went into it. I mean, it's, there was a lot of pressure on me and I went through, um, I went through like several years of depression and stuff from this. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I would see people out in public that I used to train at the gym and I would like go the other direction and stuff. And it was, uh, it's, it was hard. And it's only been within the last few years that I kind of was able to get over that and, um, you know, making small steps again to try to get healthy again, but I'm just not going, I, I can't go like I did before, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, but I, so I say all that to say, um, like for, for one, I guess my first question is like, how long ago did your weight loss journey happen at this point? It'll be 19 years, I think in this it's like, I'm so bad at math, but it's uh, well, like, that's, a, it's, yeah, so we'll, say, we'll say 19 so years. 2003 is when I hit, you're familiar with the, the BMI, right? Oh, yeah. So like, I know the BMI is not like the, the I was about to ask all, you that, but, how you feel about but, it. <laughs> so like, I don't like it from an individual perspective, of course, yeah. but that was like my first marker of like, Hey, if I can get my weight down to this level, I'm going to be like, the doctors will classify me as not overweight. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So I remember like that day, I don't, well, I don't remember. I remember the day. I don't remember the date. I have it written down somewhere, but like, that's like my, my anniversary. I you know, like the, that's the, <laughs> nice. I, I talk about that, about that every year because it's tough. It's like, I want to acknowledge it and acknowledge like other people that have, that have done it because, you know, only 5% of people lose weight and keep it off more than five years. Yeah. So and it's not because they, they, and it's usually because they've sort of been sold a bill of goods, just 
eat less, move more, eat less, move more, or follow the keto diet or the paleo diet or the vegan diet or whatever diet diet is the, is the diet of the day. And it's going to be fine, but it's like, like you, like a lot of the things that you talked about earlier that have like the system, it's the systems and the habits and the skills that are, and the, and the desire to, um, evaluate and keep evaluating yourself over time is what tends to keep people on track. Yeah. And that's, what's, that's, what's so, um, disappointing for me, for my, not just disappointing is not the right word, but what I look back on and like, I've had, cause I've had time to analyze this now. And like, you know, I did everything. I mean, I completely changed my lifestyle. It was not a diet for me. It was not like, it was, I didn't do any fad diets or anything. I mean, kind of, sort of, I guess I got really into the, what, what treat, what kickstarted for me was when fat, sick and nearly dead came out. Um, I'm oh, sure yeah. you remember that documentary, Joe cross the, and that's when juicing got really popular. So a juice fast is what like kicked it off for me, but I, I was working at a really good gym that, um, you know, was all about like, uh, holistic foods and they put a lot more emphasis on food than working out. Hmm. Um, I mean, our, uh, <clears throat> the, 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 the gym, like their most popular t-shirt said density over vanity. So that gives you like an idea of what, cause it was all about, di- you know, nu- nutrient dense foods yeah, yeah. Um, and, and doing it for your insides, not for your outsides. Um, so like I had all that going, but I, when I look back, I just realized that I had too many things I was trying to balance in my life. And like at the point I was at something had to give and I just was burnt out, you know? So mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess a question I have for you, I mean, you mentioned the statistic. I mean, I fall into that, you know, 95% of people who lose weight and don't keep it off. So like, uh, I mean, what, how do well, you you're in good that? company? <laughs> yeah. So like, so like, how do you, how did you, um, like keep it off? You know, like, I mean, what, I don't so know. I've, like, I had yo-yoed all my life. Like I was okay, chubby yeah. growing up. Right. So chubby growing up wasn't until, you know, 35 that I decided to, to, to make the big change. And I had been tired of just been tired of it. Right. And so there was, I think there were two, two or three connected ideas that were fundamental. One was, and I feel like this is pretty common. I don't know that a lot of guys will connect with this, but a lot of, I know a lot of women, my, my female clients have, we tend to connect our weight with our happiness. If I only lose, if I can lose this weight, I'm going to be happy. Right. In my case, um, I'm not real. I mean, I was at the time I was much more introverted and, and I was very shy and, you know, I had crush on this girl, crush on that girl. They would, you know, they were nice to me. Like I was not like dislike, I disliked person, but I wasn't getting, you know, they didn't give me the time of day really um, outside of class. And, you know, I was thinking, gosh, if I could only lose weight, I could have the girl of my dreams. Right. Yeah. And, but then what would happen is I would, you know, I have 50 pounds to lose the time maybe. So I would, you know, I'd lose 20 pounds and then something would connect in my head, like, you know, even when I've lose that weight, that's not going to happen. Like, yeah. like there's still a disconnect between me and talking to a girl or being happy. And 
so at one point I decided I have to disconnect this. I can lose weight or I can be happy or, and I can be happy. And the two things do not have to be intrinsically connected, right? So the first thing I decided to tackle was trying to be happy. So there was, you know, I, I don't know that I would recommend that this is, I'm not a therapist, obviously. Yeah. Um, so as a personal I, as a just, trainer and a coach though, you are sometimes. Maybe, yeah, it's maybe yeah. like a bartender is. Yeah. My wife's a massage therapist and she does same, the same thing. <laughs> same thing right? yeah. So I just, I, there was listening to a very, at the time, a, a, like a talk radio host, show host on my very long commutes. And he had a show on Friday where, where he talked about happiness. And he talked about our, our responsibility to ourselves and more, more importantly, to the people around us to be to not drag people down, like to be happy, not, you know, to, you know, to, to be a positive influence, not always a negative influence. And yeah, there's things he admitted and I admit there's, there are, there's depression and there's anxiety and there's things that you can't just control. So it's not like flipping a switch. I'm just going to be happy. I'm going to be, and then you're happy, but there are things you can do about it, whether it's mood, whether it's changing your attitude, whether it's um, medication, whether it's therapy or any combination of those things. And again, not flipping a switch, but over time you can do, you can take care of these things or hopefully make them better at least. On the flip side is the connection. Like you can, that's, it takes, it takes some work, but you can consciously disconnect your goal of losing weight or getting jacked or whatever, you know, with, with your happiness. Yeah. Right. And those two things were sort of freeing for me because then the next time I decided I wanted to lose weight, I made it past that 20 pound mark and I didn't, and it was still hard because losing weight can be hard, but I didn't go, oh, wow, I'm still going to be sad at the end of this because those things were not connected anymore. My goal was no longer to be happy. My goal was just to lose weight, be healthy, and be around for my kids, which are more clear-cut and more connected. So then once I, decide, once I saw that I was making progress, I vowed to myself, I don't ever want to yo-yo again, right? So how can I, I came from a systems background, I worked for Xerox Corporation for many years as a systems analyst. They trained me in all sorts of things, troubleshooting, problem solving. So I used some of those, those skills there to, you know, like, like, what can I do? And one of the big things was, like I said before, to check in with yourself. So to write down your goals, even if they're short-term, long-term, and then regularly revisit them to see whether you're on the right track. Because one of the things that I didn't want to do is reach my goal and then four years later, just put on a pair of pants and go, oh, these don't fit anymore, right? And I, quote unquote, never noticed, right? So I started back then, you know, logging things. It wasn't, it was just like in a journal, like a, like a, it was, I'm not a paper person, but it was like an electronic journal on my Blackberry, probably, or my Palm Pilot, whatever it was the, the thing of the day. And I'm, you know, 19 years later, I'm still doing that once a month. I have a calendar reminder that says, you know, health check. And it's first Saturday of every month in the morning when I usually have time free. And I spend about five to 15 minutes reflecting on what I've done over the past month, what I wanna do for this month and sort of adjusting my goals accor accordingly. 
and it can include weight or my blood pressure or whatever is whatever I'm working on at the time, but it's just a way that I can <clears throat> sort of casually in a low stress way, remind myself that I don't want to, I don't want to lose what I've gained. Yeah. Or, that, or regain what I've lost, I guess. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I mean, uh, God, what to say there? Like, uh, you know, I, I think for one, I think we often, in so many aspects of our life, we so often will say, if I can just, you know, uh, if, if I could just get this great job or get away from this person at my, uh, you know, have, have a better boss, I'll be happy. If I could just have this much money, I'll be happy. If I could get this girl, I'd be happy. Whatever it is, like we, we do often correlate goals and things we want to achieve with happiness. And like, that's not always the case necessarily. <laughs> like, right. especially, especially when that thing becomes your new norm, because, you know, it's, it's, that's your normal at that point. And, you know, you're, you're never always going to be happy, you know? So I think for you, um, you know, it's a great, you know, you, again, you were thinking about your kids and stuff and wanting to be, be around for them and all that. That's a much more like tangible thing. And that in turn will make you a happier person being. Like Absolutely. That, you know, Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's, it's so awesome. So like, you know, I go, I have a weird relationship with goals. Um, like, and I think that oftentimes, you know, cause like pretty publicly I've said that I'm very much like a systems person. Like if you, um, you know, if you, if you focus on like what you do day to day, like you will achieve things you want. And cause I, cause I do think a lot of, um, mental anguish can come out of goals. Like if you say, uh, I want to lose 25 pounds in three months. And then that three months is up and you've lost 20 pounds. A lot, of, a lot of people would look at that as a failure instead of being like, well, I lost 20 pounds. That's amazing. Yeah. At the same time, I do think it is a good thing to face that. So like, you know, um, like it was a big deal for me when I started losing my weight to actually, I needed to face like, what am I actually up against here? Like, how much do I actually weigh? Like, don't be in denial of it and actually like look at the, because a lot of people just want to ignore it and not think about it. But I think that it goes a long way to actually know and see that you can make progress. But I think as you've done, at some point, you can become less dependent on those goals. So like you still have check-ins, but you're not like doing it every day or every week or whatever. I mean, it's a once a month thing for you because you have the system in place to yep. be able to keep going and make sure you can maintain that. So like, I don't know, I think I often get really painted as a person who is like very anti-goal, and it's, you know, um, and it, you, you can translate this to writing too, like with word mm -hmm. counts and stuff, you know, um, cause I'm not a word count person. I'm, I'm a, I'm going to sit in the chair. I have this time set aside and whatever I get done, I look at as progress. I'm not going to chase words every day because that stresses me out. Some people can do that, but right. I think it's really about, uh, I guess too, what I'm getting at is it's really about like knowing yourself and what motivates you and what type of stuff you can deal with mentally, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm right on, I'm right there with you, with the, especially with the writing goals. Like I yeah. usually tell, like I, I work with some, some authors to get their book done and uh, get it out there. And one of the things that I, you know, they, if you fail with your goal too many times, whether it's writing or with anything, like you're, you're not going to want to do it again. 
It's like the more you fail, the harder it is to stop, to, to start again or to try again. So with like authors, I usually tell them, you know, like find something like it can be word count if you love it. But if you have an hour a day to write, why don't you track like, did you write for an hour? Right. Yeah. Because that's more, that's more, a little bit more tangible. It means, oh, you know, I can sit here and not go on Facebook for an hour. Right. But if you're, um, if your goal is words, you're like, well, I just, I can go on Facebook for a few minutes. I'll just write faster. You know, it's like, you know, you trick yourself. So you need to find your, uh, find goals, whether it's writing or your health goals that are, that are very likely to be achievable. Yeah, you're absolutely you know, right. The, you know, there's there's always something can come up, right? Yeah. But but it's like you know, if your goal is to lose five pounds in a month, that might be realistic if you're 250 pounds and you're just starting out. But yeah. as you know, the you know the more fit weight you've lost, the harder it is percentage wise to start losing those things again, start losing at that same rate. So it's not really achievable. But if you if that is your goal. Every time you fail, you're going to be like, why do I buy? Why do I even bother? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, again, it's very personal and depend on the person. Like I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she, um, she did one of those Peloton challenges where, you know, it's like, you have to, you do a certain amount of activity every single day. And she did that for like a month and hit it. And then was able to, after that, continue, do mm -hmm. it, continue going on. And that really helped her when like, like for me, I don't know if, like challenges and stuff like that don't do a lot for me. Like I'm not really a streak person's per se. So I think it's just really, and, and people weighing in sometimes like that also helps them like weighing in every day or every week or whatever. So it's just, it's all about kind of knowing yourself, I guess. So I don't like the streaks because a streak is there could be very legitimate reasons for missing the streak. Yeah. And now your streak is broken. Yeah. Right. I agree. Yeah. So, I, I like, I, go ahead. So I think it's like, since we have a lot of authors listening, I'll use writing as a good example is like people who's going to write every day. Well, it's unrealistic. You could get sick. Somebody could, you're, you know, somebody, a surprise guest come yeah. like COVID news, disaster, power outage or whatever could come totally legitimate right and yeah you're gonna sit you're gonna tell yourself well i had a good reason not to write yesterday it's okay your subconscious says you failed yeah so so you need more realistic goals and maybe write every day is not not good maybe it's i'm gonna write this number of hours per week yeah or and, and make sure that's very realistic it is feels so good to overachieve it does you know? yeah. it does <laughs> it feels bad to underachieve yeah yeah. yeah. But also like people need, like, it's, it's hard to be content with just achieving. <laughs> like that's yeah. the, that's the other thing, you know, yeah. like it's okay just to, to achieve, but I, you know, uh, yeah, no, you're totally right. You know, I mean, I, I have no desire to write every day. I mean, I, I know pe plenty of people like that, but like, I very, I'm pretty gotten pretty strict about taking Sundays off mm -hmm. now. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, I love to write every day. But sometimes I'll get up in the morning, I'll go, you know what? If I spend two hours writing, then I'm not going to get this other thing done that's also yeah. important to me. And so sometimes I'll, so that's, you know, so sometimes I like, I give myself the option to write every day because yeah. I love it. 
right? So like my wife will sometimes ask, are you gonna take today off? I go, yeah. And she goes, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm writing. She goes, I thought you were gonna take the day off. Well, it's just like not my, it's like, you know, it's like I was, if my friends were playing, if I was playing D&D, you know, it's like this, like, yeah, yeah I, wa I wanna make money at this, but I also have a lot of fun doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so it's for different. sure. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. And a lot of my off my off days too, I will still write or work like you're saying, but sometimes I might work on like a, a different project, like something yeah. that's kind of like a, I guess you'd say like a passion project or more of like a fun thing or whatever. So yeah, um, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I have an idea for a scene. I'm not going to not write. I mean, at least I have to go and like break the skeleton of it. Um, if, if not the scene itself, right. If, yeah. Just to get it out of my head. So I, I, I want to talk about your business and stuff before we move too far away from the health journey. I did want to, I want to ask one more thing about that. Then we'll talk. I want to talk about writing and, and your business and some of the different okay. things you do. But I am like, since, you know, this is a podcast for parents and, um, and, and you kind of, you brought up that the biggest reason you want to lose your weight was because your kids, um, what, like, so for someone listening, who's in a similar situation where they, you know, they have kids or they're planning having kids or whatever, and they want to get healthy for them to be around, to be able to move better, to be able to play with them on stuff. Like what's, uh, you know, I hate to ask like the, what's one piece of advice question, but like, <laughs> but like what, what, like, what is something you would say to, to get them started? I'd say that you do not have to have reached your goal to have improved your health. Right. Yep. So studies show that being in a caloric deficit in and of itself starts to improve your, your blood markers and the way your body reacts to hormones, the way it produces hormones. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions based on, like, on health conditions, right? But for most people who, have, who are overweight, who might have blood sugar issues, high blood pressure, um, high cholesterol, those things that I just mentioned will or can start to improve within a couple of days of starting to eat better, eat fewer calories, moving, not just more, but more often. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really big. So like, if you're concerned about your weight and you're concerned about your health and you're concerned about not being there for your family and your friends in the long run, just start doing something to take care of it and that in and of itself will start on your health journey yep yeah. but the the thing that started me there was one thing i quit drinking soda hmm. that was that was it like that was yeah. that was the one thing i did i like i had a buddy of mine um russ who i hope to get on the podcast at some point we've tried we've canceled a couple times he's a tattoo artist um so i really want to talk to him but um I remember it was in October of 2010, we were at my old job and he was like, he walked by the break room. And I mean, I used to drink a lot of soda. I mean, like <laughs> seven or eight a day. And I would take several of me to work. And he saw me, he's like, man, he just said something really simple. He was just like, dude, like, why are you, why do you drink that? You're slowly killing yourself. And I don't know what it was. Cause like so many times before people said stuff like that to me, I just roll my eyes. But like, for some reason that clicked with me that day, and I literally went home that night and threw everything I had in the garbage. And mm. I think I might've actually brought it to work and put it on the table, but uh, I don't remember. I might've thrown it away because I was scared if it was going to be there, I'd want to drink it. But, uh, and I haven't had one since. And that was wow. like the thing that was the catalyst for me 
Um, unless someone put one in like a mixed alcoholic drink or something, that's right. very possible, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, just that one thing. So just that small change kind of led to everything. So, yeah, well, that's a great example of people. And I was like this too, like they're going to go on the search for the perfect diet before they start the diet Yeah. before they start to make the change. Just start, just start just something. Start. Yeah. Most people there are, I do sometimes have like a consultation with somebody who I feel like legitimately doesn't know like, Oh, like that, that, that a soda is bad. Like yeah. that, a, that, 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 that all that sugar, well, it's just, it's, it's a drink. And it's, so it doesn't really count. There are people that legitimately don't know that, but most people can look at the things that they do throughout the day and they can say, Oh, you know what? I, I probably should change that. Yeah. Well, just, those are some simple things the low hanging fruit, you know, it's like these things, because if you can cut out soda, that can be hundreds of calories a day. Yeah. Right. That don't register very much with like your, with your hunger signals. Yeah. So they're pretty much just extra calories. Yeah. So that's a great place to start. Yeah. Drew, and- yeah. That was like the way I looked at it was my buddy Russ said the same thing. Cause he was a trainer at the gym. I ended up working at, um, he was just like, if, if there's anything you're going to do, don't drink your calories. Like was kind of the way he put it. Cause he's like, all that is just totally empty, you know, and, yeah. and doing nothing to, cause you're still going to be hungry and you're going to add probably bad food on top of that anyway. So like doing that one thing can make a big difference. You yeah. Know? yeah. People tend to not to go too far down this rabbit hole. Cause it could, but I don't know because of diets and the way diet culture is like people just overcomplicate it all altogether. Like, I mean, it's, it's like, I used to tell people, I'm just like, unless you have like certain dietary restrictions where you do need to look more, just eat real food, like shop on the outside of the grocery store. Don't go down the aisles. You're good. <laughs> like for yeah. most people, you know, like just eat. And, and, and there's they're always messing, the same- they're messing with us now though, because now they're putting the stupid produce yeah. section in the center of the store. Yeah. They're onto us. Yeah. They're 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 They know people were giving that advice, but, but you know, and yeah, it takes a little more time. Yeah. It might technically cost a little more money, but like it's worth, it's worth it, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. but, uh, Anyways, that's, I mean, you're going to, you could pay for it. I mean, yeah. And that's the other thing of when you say it costs more money, it can, but health down the road, it's going to cost money too. So you have poor health down the road. You're investing in your health for the future. Just like you put money in an IRA or whatever. Yeah. Same thing. And even in that, in that regard, you don't have to be perfect. Some people are like, well, I can't afford to eat like all organic or grass fed or or whatever. So in the meantime, they're just going to continue to eat fast food you know it's like there's someplace in between like there is absolutely yeah because that fast food you're eating is not grass-fed and and organic so like you can eat healthier and you know but i think people see these labels and they go you know like it's like it's like an all or nothing mentality and like just like starting to do something that's another way of starting to do something that's a positive effect on your body absolutely yeah. You brought up something a few minutes ago about, um, and I, I don't remember what it said, what it said, but what reminded me was one of the other like tenets that I have, and it's like, it's made it into several of our books. My wife and I have other books too, We've made it into several books and it's stay on your plan until you have the next plan. Because mm-hmm. we're, because what 
I don't know if you've, if you quit something, whether it's writing or a diet or training for a marathon or whatever, you, when you quit and say, well, you know, things aren't working for me, I'm going to quit. I'm going to take a little break and I'm going to come back to it on Monday. It's always Monday for some reason. Um, most people, many people won't do it because they've quit and starting again is the hard part. And every time you quit and start again, it becomes incrementally harder to start the next time Absolutely. to the point where eventually people are like, because subconsciously <clears throat> you feel like you failed. So it's like, if you, if you start a diet, it's working great, things stop working for you. So you quit, doesn't matter what kind of diet you find next, it's gonna be a little bit harder because you're gonna be skeptical, both of the diet and of your own ability to follow it long-term. So what I did early on was I told myself, I'm, if something was working for me, even though it's no longer working or I'm seeing the signs that it's not the perfect diet for me, it served me well so far. I'm going to stick with it and do my research into what my next thing is. And when I'm comfortable, then I'm going to move directly from this diet plan to over to this other one. So I'm never off my diet. I'm never off my plan. And it's a great way to, to, it doesn't in and of itself motivate you, but what it's doing, it's protecting you from the lack of motivation that comes from quitting slash failing slash having to start again. Well, I, I think too, when you're, um, when, when you're starting something, you know, a lot of people will be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to start going to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. Well, don't start with five days a week. Like, <laughs> just go once, go tell yourself you're going to go two days a week, whatever, you know, and like, don't try to bite off more than you can chew. Cause that's, this goes back to goal setting. If you miss it, you're going to fail. And I really like, um, I, I really, we were talking about streaks and I, I meant to bring this up then too, but like, I love the James clear rule. And this kind of goes the two day rule, which kind of goes on what you're saying too. Like, um, James clear's thing is if you miss a day, cool like give yourself grace to miss a day just don't miss the next day because mm -hmm. the studies show that after you've broken a habit for two days or more like you're saying you're much less likely to come back to it so like if you need that break you know and, and when i say the next day like if you're if you're telling yourself you're going to work out monday through friday and friday you're just not feeling it and you're just like give yourself that break and the, the next day you're supposed to work out would be Monday. Make sure you don't miss that day. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean go Saturday. Like, I mean, you can, I mean, that'd be great. But again, like allow yourself some grace, but just don't give yourself too much, uh, Absolutely. too much rope, like you're saying, you know, but don't be too hard on yourself at the same time. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's perfect. And it works perfectly with, with diet and health as well, because, when, I mean, studies have shown that the difference between like 100% and 90% when it comes to like weight loss and fitness is like almost a non-existent, like the, the, the changes are almost non-existent. So what happens is people think, oh yeah, I'm going to be on the paleo diet. And again, like going back to that, you may have a dietary reason like a, to, to be off of something. You can, maybe you can't have nightshades or gluten or something like that. You can't slog that off. But if you're doing it for general health reasons and you eat 100% paleo or 100% uh, 
um, Mediterranean, the, like the most popular successful diet in the world, Mediterranean, right? If you eat 100% or if you eat 90% compliant, no difference in your health and weight loss. I mean, you can blow it. I mean, you can you can fudge the math, but then like you know, my argument would be that you've made it to where it's no longer 90%. But, um, but yeah, like, so people need to cut themselves some slack. So like the biggest thing that I, I teach a lot of my, uh, my health clients is most people have three eating opportunities per day. So what's your 10%? So like you have 21 eating, 21 meals throughout the week. So 10% of that's two, like you've got like kind of like two free, two free meals. Like, so if you get invited to go out somewhere to a dinner and you don't know the perfect, you don't have the perfect food there, you just do your best, enjoy yourself and have that, make that one of your, your freer meals. You can argue what you want to call it, whether, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't like to call it a cheat meal, but I it's like that. a, it's, it's, <laughs> but, a, but a free meal is good. Or I just call them a 10%, a 10% yeah, meal. Right. I like that. And it's a, it's really good to, to do, to have this. And um, I mean, I have people that have just reminded them, you know, that they, they keep track of that. And what I tell people is to do is not only allow it, but to please take it. Yeah. Because if you try to be 100%, you might do it for two months, three months, something like that, but you're going to burn out. So try to do that 90%. Right. Yep. And, and to take those free meals, you know, you don't have to go like whole hog, but, you know, have something that's a little bit more enjoyable for you because that's going to be something to look forward to. And I suggest people plan them. Yeah. I was going to say that the plan for sure. Like if you know, you're going to go out or like, yeah, just plan ahead, you know, and, and, and I'm really into meal prepping. I'm a big believer in that to make sure you always have good stuff on hand. You know, the other thing I would say is that, I think what constitutes as a free meal or a 10% meal, I like the way you say those way better than I hate cheat meal. I think what constitute as a free meal or a 10% meal will, will also change over time Absolutely. because of how you start feeling when you're eating better 90% of the time, because you're going to want that stuff less. So like when you might've gone, when a free meal for you before might've been to go and get like, you know, a rack of ribs at your favorite barbecue place or whatever, it may eventually become like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, uh, some like a, a, a chicken breast or something, but like, I'm going to splurge a little bit on the sides, you mm -hmm. know, and, and stuff like that. So like you reframe what that becomes because like, you know, that if you go eat that rack of ribs, you're going to feel like garbage later, you know, because you've been mm -hmm. eating so much better. So I think that's an important thing people to realize too. Well, and over time, you'll start to realize that like, if you, like, like you're only fooling yourself, like you're only, you know, like, and eventually you're not going to be fooling yourself either. So like, if you're like, oh, my, my 10% on Friday is a rack of ribs, two IPAs and, uh, and a, a really tall slice of cheesecake, like, like, who are you kidding? Right. So that's not a free meal. That's like a feast, right? Yeah, that's like <laughs> six free meals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you could say, you know, I don't normally have, I normally have fruit for dessert or I normally have a small, like I don't, I have dessert every night, but maybe on Friday I'm going to have a dessert or maybe you're not, maybe you're like, Hey, you know, I have, you know, I'm going out with my friends and we're going to have wings, which most wings aren't really that bad. If you look at the wings themselves, yeah. but I'm, you know, maybe I'm going to have, instead of having like a, 
like like a like a light beer maybe i'm gonna have a beer like a like a beer that i really want and really enjoy one of those uh super hoppy uh juicy ipas and yeah does it fit in with like could i do this every day no but it's one of my 10 percent <clears throat> and i can certainly do that yeah absolutely I, I love that i love that so well let's let's talk about your business some because i'm i'm curious because you um like on on the surface it uh it seems like you're, you're wearing a few different hats. And so, uh, and I'll be honest, like I, I, I could be totally wrong about that. Like, I don't know, I'm, but well, I want to learn see. about it. Yeah. So, um, cause it seems like, I mean, you're, you're obviously writing, um, and then you have your health coach, but you're also a writing coach too, right? Like you're helping, mm. you help writers as well. Um, yeah. so I don't know, like t- talk a little bit about your business, like the, the, the different things you're focusing on and you have going on. Yeah. So, I primarily am doing uh, writing coaching, not writing coaching, health coaching. Okay. So like I've been doing this for, for a while. I mean, it's what started as like a hobby turned into a business. And I do some of it on my own and some of it with my wife, who's my, my writing partner, my business partner. And we have a health and wellness membership that we run. And um, we continue to, to write books. She's currently working on her own book. She's an, a, a trauma therapist and an emotional eating specialist. So she's writing oh, awesome. a book right now that's just getting ready to, to come out. And she's allowed, she's uh, very nicely allowed me to use her as an example of like how to launch a book and how to oh, do no. an arc, arc team, advanced reader team, and that, that kind of stuff. So, so that's nice because I always What is that, that book stuff. called? It's called uh, Peace with Self, Peace with Food. Okay, awesome. Yeah, it'll be out in a couple in a, in a couple weeks. Okay, awesome. Very yeah. cool. And um, so that's the, that's that. So then I do my own health coaching. So I do small groups primarily, but I also do some one on ones. And then I got so interested in working with other authors just as coaching clients that I decided, you know, what I really liked was working with people that want just helping people in general. So I started helping a couple of my author friends in the fitness industry who wanted to write books and like telling them how to do things, how to set up their author platform and their email lists and, and all those kinds of things. I got really interested in doing that. So I started like, you know, I'm, Hey, if anyone, does anybody interested in doing that? And a few people were, so I took them on as, as clients and I have to say, I really enjoy it. It's, it's great to work with authors. They yeah. are, because when you, um, I mean, I love working with my health coaching clients too, but I mean, most people don't want to be on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard working with, with, it's, right? it's hard. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, you're like a therapist, you're like a motivational coach and do these things. And I try to make it as easy and as motivating as possible, but I have to acknowledge that sometimes it's hard. Sometimes there are tears shed both mine and theirs. And, um, but authors don't really cry about this because they're like, Hey, I mean, I wanted to, I want to finish my book. Can you show me how to maximize the time that I, the one hour a day that I have to spend? How can I maximize that? So I'm not wasting my time, not writing. So I help them with that. And then it gets into the the nuts and bolts of like, how do you put an ebook together? How do you find somebody that can make a cover for you? How do you um, find a good editor and doing all of those things that are, um, and then like when it comes to working with nonfiction authors, that's where 
that's where I can also help with the craft because I've done, a, I've, I've, you know, six or seven nonfiction books that I've written here that I've published, but also I have, I don't know if you call it ghost written when you've written them for a pre, for, for a company as like manual. So I did like a direct mail guide and oh, okay, guide, gotcha. those kinds of things. So they're full on books, marketing books, but they're not under my name. They're under the company's the company. It's kind of ghostwriting, I guess. Yeah, kind of yeah. like go. Yeah. So. I worked there at the time. So like I, you know, I wrote these books for them because no one else was willing to write the book. I think maybe, maybe that falls more under like technical writing almost. I guess. I, I mean, one of them was like a technical manual, but one of them was like almost like a how-to book that you would do like for like how to write a book, how to write a book. Right. It was like, yeah. how to do your email? Like what kind of things you need to write? How are you going to motivate people? What do you do to get them to take action? All those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's very interesting to I me mean, because there really are a lot of difference between nonfiction and fiction. I mean, especially mm-hmm. uh, everything from marketing, like how you're building an audience, because a lot of times in the nonfiction space, I would say most of the time, the book is kind of a loss leader, like to another service or something else. And you're obviously offering uh, uh, services, but you probably like, I mean, it doesn't really sound like though that you look at your books like loss leaders. Like they're definitely products. You just also have your health coaching and stuff as well. Definitely. Well, it's interesting when, especially in the health and wellness industry, books have something of a, of a, a lifespan, a shorter lifespan or a half-life, let's call it, right? Yeah. Where people sometimes look at the publishing date and say, oh, 2019? That's old. That's yeah. old. <laughs> Is that information even up to date type of thing? Right. Yeah. When like, the, the books that my wife and I have written are mostly habits, systems based, habits and systems based. Very right? evergreen stuff. Yeah. yeah. A lot of real food, you know, test what works for you, stick with that, get rid of the things that don't serve you well. So they are in a, in a sense, ever evergreen. So, but when a nonfiction book launches, usually it does pretty well, or it can do very well, but then they sort of taper off. So you have to do something to keep feeding it. And that's where, unlike with fiction, like blogging really helps, you know, because you can, not just because people will find it, but it gives you something to share that's not buy my book, buy my book, buy exactly. my book, right? Yeah. yeah. But even then, so like um, nonfiction has a little bit of an advantage, especially if it's tied to your business. Yeah. So, because you can sell the book for relatively inexpensively, give them, you could provide a course on the back end. That's like, you know, here's a, here's a freebie to come download my, my guide on how to do these things. And that's going to get you on their email list. And then you can upsell them on, eventually build a relationship and upsell them on the sort of the, the thing beyond the book, right? Or in my case, health coaching or joiner membership. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Are and also your... for nonfiction authors, like a lot of, I have to admit, a lot of it is, um, it's a it's sort of a sign of credibility. If you can put, if you can put your philosophy on your coaching or your system or whatever into words succinctly in a good book, people are like, oh, this person does know what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and it, it also helps with speaking gigs and all that type mm-hmm. of stuff as well. Like having, have, having the books and a lot of times having the letters, having like the USA day, New York times, whatever, like having that type of stuff will even help even more with, with speaking gigs and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it makes, it makes, it, it, it makes you, an, it shows you're an authority, yeah. you know, 
And um, so, yeah, it's awesome that you've been able to mix your love for writing with that part of your business and stuff. Um, but so are so is your, um, so you offer like a membership for your, and you also do like one-on-one health coaching, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Okay. So like if someone, um, like the membership part, like what, if someone comes into that, like kind of what can they, uh, what can they expect to get out of that? Like, is it mostly focused on like the food or like, do you do, do you give people like workout programs? Like well, what, let me what tell you the name and that'll, so okay. eat, well, eat, move, live 365. Awesome. So, <laughs> so we cover all, so that's, the, so the plus is you get everything you need, right? Yeah. The, the negative is that if that what we have found is that um, people can get overwhelmed. So we're working on more sort of a, more of an onboarding to find out like, what do people need? Where's their focus? And so we can and help. And I've always offered that from day one, when people join, they can have a one-on-one with me and I kind of give them the tour and give them recommendations. Cause there's so much in there. We've been, my wife and I've been building this membership and it's monthly content for over three years. So there are how many recipes per month, you know, three to five recipes per month. Yeah. We started with a bunch to begin with. There's a, a cookbook in there that we've, that we've created with, with like 50 recipes and working on compiling the second one now. And then my wife, she's a movement specialist. In addition to being a trauma therapist, she's a movement specialist. She was the one that owned the gym back in, in her home, homeland of Bulgaria. And so she does, she has created um, a bunch of movement practices that you can follow along where, you know, we're focused on, on different, different goals, different areas of the body. So there's some great ones for authors. There's hands and feet. I mean, hands, wrists, and shoulders, which is also always a big one for, for me. And um, there's ones for back pain. And then there's um, a, a big part of it is, um, digestion. We focus a lot on, you know, gut health and digestion. So there's a movement course in there, but there's also um, recipes and health guidance for doing all these things as well. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I could see how that'd be tricky just because like we were talking about earlier. I mean, health is such an individualized thing, you know, so like it, I, I could see how doing the overall would be, but I guess as long as you have enough, like different sorts of content, you know, then, um, and, and when you're focused on things like gut health and all that, I mean, th- those are a lot of that stuff can, is pretty applicable to any, to everybody type of thing, as long as they understand like what it means and that they're probably like, Oh, I do need to take better care of my gut, you know, and stuff like that. So. Yeah. So every month we do a theme. Okay. And, that's cool. And then, and then lead people through it. It's a great way to keep the, the community going behind it. And, um, but then that stuff is there, you know, it's it's evergreen content so um so yeah so you can follow along with whatever whatever you need and we and a lot of it is based on our our most recent book eat well move well live well 52 ways to feel better in a week so there's audiobook chapters in there and uh yes yeah, so there's a lot of stuff and my wife i forgot to mention the the live part is there's a lot of mindfulness that practices awesome. in there so nice. my wife does she's a very soothing and some would say exotic voice. She's from Bulgaria. So she's got a very, very, uh, very cool accent. That she thinks <laughs> she thinks she doesn't have. And um, 
but she leads leads us through uh, mindfulness practices every month too. But those are evergreen as well, so you can go back and, and choose them based on theme. That's awesome. Great. It's really great. So with your writers, do you find yourself when you're doing your coaching stuff? Does some of that stuff overlap, where you end up getting them asking you about different health things, like you know mm-hmm. how how can I you know, my back hurts, like what, you know, or I know you're really into ergonomics and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which is, uh, I probably have a question or two about that before we sure. duck out of here. Cause I actually need to buy a new chair. So mm-hmm. um, my chair is about dead. So I need to, uh, I want to get your advice on what to look for in a chair, but like what, so, um, you know, what are some things that, uh, you talk to about authors as far as, you know, their health and ergonomics and, and all that sort of stuff? Well, I don't know whether authors are people with like chronic pain and injuries are drawn to being an author or whether it's, you know, like this Venn diagram, right? You know, it's like, <laughs> so in a lot of author groups, you'll find a lot of people who have, you know, chronic illness, chronic pain, or they're overweight. I mean, it's a very sedentary lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, and sedentary lifestyle can not only lead to being overweight, but it can lead to um, having a you know, back pain, wrist pain, shoulder pain. I mean, you can't, no one can see, but you know, you can see Zach. Like people are craning their neck forward, you know, like to see the screen. So that can lead to neck pain, upper back pain, and not just pain, but long term effects of putting yourself in that position for repeatedly and over long periods of time. So, a huge part of what I try to get people to do and authors specifically is don't just think about moving more, think about moving more often Mm. because we, our people have a tendency to think of moving more. We want to move more because we want to burn calories or we're trying to get exercise. But when you, the biggest thing about moving more is it means you're not sedentary or less sedentary, because being sedentary isn't just about the calories and what you burn, it's about your tissues getting into a position, staying there long enough to where now there's restriction to get out of that position or change to a different position. We've all been there where we sit at our desk, we've got something like we could be on like a long webinar or something like that. And then you get up and you're like, oh, the first couple steps, that's kind of the rough, rough on my hips or my back or my neck or whatever. Um, or like you've been, you know, sitting, you're reading on your phone for a long period of time. And then the first time you sit at your computer and like my monitor is a little bit above my eye level, you're like, oh, my neck. Right. And so so that's because you spend a, in both cases a significant amount of time without really much movement in that one position. So your body starts to sort of quote unquote like that position and sort of lock you into it. And merely getting up periodically over time will tell your body not to lock your lock it into that position. Yeah. That, that totally makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's one reason, like I'm pretty good about it, but I was, I was very um, apprehensive of the, the, the Apple watch forever. I mean, I actually, I knew my parents wanted to get me one and I told them two Christmases in a row. I was like, 
do not give me an watch. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to get less connected to my phone. I don't want it on my wrist. And then of course the next year they bought me one. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to actually like find ways to, use. I have it, I could sell it, but I'm going to try it out. And, um, and, but one of the things I love about it is, you know, it'll give you the stand-up reminders mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like, and, and that's, they're great, you know, cause sometimes yeah. I will get locked in and I'll be like, oh crap, I need to, I need to stand up. I need to go for a walk or whatever, but I'm, I'm pretty good about like scheduling walks and stuff like that throughout the day. Um, and, and all that, but it's, uh, yeah, it's still, it's still tough. So like, what do I need to look for in a chair? That's what I, mm. I want to, or, or should I just get a standing desk and say, screw the chair? Yeah. Before I move, before I talk about the chair, I wanted to say something about your Apple watch because this, this came oh, up yeah. recently. So I live in a place where there's snow. I live in Colorado yeah. and summer, spring and fall, not, not too bad. I can bundle up and go for a walk. Yeah. But when the winter gets here, like today it was zero zero degrees when I got up this morning and there's snow everywhere and where there's not snow, there's black ice, slippery. So it's not very pleasant. So I'm like, how am I going to keep up my, my walking, my walking? So like what I did was like, I, I just went super low budget with what I have. And I just used the, the timer on my phone and I set it for 25 minutes. And when I, when I sit down, I click the timer to go 25 minutes and then I work. And then when it buzzes, it's like, Oh, I got to get up and at least change positions. So that's a good time to go, you know, go to the bathroom, refill my water, get more coffee, um, pace around the room. Like it can be whatever you want. It could be, if you're in the middle of something, you don't have to drop everything you're doing, but be conscious that you need to, it's about time to move. And I was, I'm thinking maybe I wanted to try to see if it had a positive effect on my body, which it has. So I'm considering getting something like a, like an Apple watch, because I want something that will vibrate on my wrist or on my, or on me where I don't have to have my phone. Exactly. I, right. Yeah. So people were recommending the aura ring, which my wife has, and she loves it, but it in itself does not vibrate. You have to it will, it will give you the idle alert or something like that, but it's through your phone. Yeah. And I keep my phone t- typically in the other room when I'm writing. When yeah. I love the Apple watch of course has the standup reminders and it will, if you set it up, right, it will just vibrate. Um, and also it has the mindfulness reminders, which are really cool mm-hmm. where, um, and it'll actually like walk, like take you through breathing for like 30 or like a minute or whatever. Um, and you could put those on different intervals and stuff. And it's, uh, I don't know if you've, done it on there but it's pretty cool because the phone will like do like a haptic thing that oh, yeah. like when you inhale and exhale type of thing and it's i i love it like it's nice, it's nice. uh yeah I, I really like it so yeah but, as uh, much as like I, i'm like not a huge fan of being more connected either yeah. and one of the things that i like to do is like i like to walk without having my headphones or without yeah, or, i do that or all even, the time or yeah. even when i'm walking listening to an audiobook i don't want to be tempted to have my so I put my phone like in a little pack. Yep, I do the same you know, thing. Yeah. So I'm not tempted to touch it. So the Apple Watch actually is a good thing because you can tell it not to check your text messages, all those kinds of things, but still control your audiobook or still control your music. So you can make it do as little or as much as you want. Absolutely. Which is a, which Especially is with thing. the newest Apple updates where they have like, <clears throat> you can set different types of do not disturb type of things. Um, 
and uh, which which is really nice. You can have one for like when you're working, one for when you're working out, mm-hmm. and it'll give you notification access to. You can choose what apps and stuff. So oh, nice. It's uh yeah, it's it's get it's getting even better. So so I I, I really really enjoy it. So um, well before we get out of here, I do I I do I, 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 I want to know about the chair. Like so, what should I look for in a chair? Right. So do you have a standing desk or a sit stand desk or is it I'm just going a, to, like so a I'm desk? I'm I'm going to get one. I don't have I, actually my desk I have is probably really bad for me because I wish I could kind of show you, but I think that I know it's not the right height for me and and stuff. So I I know it's not very ergonomic, but I I do want to uh, I am going to soon most likely move to a standing desk. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So my, um, I have a, like Jay, Jay has one of those risers yeah. where, you know, it goes up and down and sits on top of an existing desk. So that's something you could look at if your desk okay. is sturdy and you like the drawers and all the setup that it has, you could look at just getting one of those to, to go up and down. That's a nice, uh, a nice way to do it. And they have small ones and super wide ones. Well, that's cool. I have a pretty big on. desk, so I could definitely put something like that. on. So mine can hold two monitors. And I've attached those swing arms to them. So my laptop is, this is my laptop. And then over here, I have another monitor. Oh, cool. Right. So um, I don't actually have a chair. I mean, I have access to chairs, but I have a a stool that goes up up and down. And it's actually, I mean, it's it's like a rocking stool. It's called a learniture active learning chair. Okay. So it's pretty stable. Like you can... I can balance on it, but it allows me to rock back and forth a little bit. It goes, you know, I can pinch it on the bottom and it goes up and down. So I can not just get myself in one perfect ergonomic position, but I can have a variety of good positions throughout the day or one day at a time, one day this time. So um, it's, so it's nice. It's not quite tall enough for me to, because I'm 6'2", it's not quite tall enough for me to use as a stool when it's in the standing desk position, but um, everything in between. It is for my wife. My wife's 5'2", so she can use she can use this as an actual stool on her because she has a she has a regular standing desk that she just added to her office, which has the little buttons. Yeah, so that's what I, I want to get a good one that automatically goes up and down and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I highly recommend that even though a lot of people are like, well, how hard is it to crank the little thing? It's not hard, but it's a barrier. It's a barrier. Yeah. yeah. And I figure for me, it's an investment. So it's like something I'll have for a long time. So I might as well just like spend a little bit more, more money and get some, uh, what I want, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so hers is nice. She And then on top of that, do you have a laptop or a desktop? Um, I have, uh, I, I, I use, I have a desktop, but I'm, okay. I'm probably going, I have a laptop too. Um, so I think I'm going to downsize to just my laptop. At some point. So the thing to consider with a laptop is that it's really with a standing desk or anything, it's hard to get the screen at the right level of your eyes. Yeah. Right. So you have to put it up on a box, some sort of a riser, or in my case, a swing arm. Yeah. Right. Um, but that also means that then you need to have an external keyboard and a mouse. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 That, and that's definitely what I would have. Like I've, I've got like a little stand or an external laptop. monitor. Like if you're running it on your laptop as the primary thing you're typing on yeah, and you have a monitor, a bigger monitor that's up for you using it either way. So I like to have both. I have the Bluetooth mouse keyboard, Laptop is my primary monitor. And then I have the, whatever the HDMI cable into my secondary monitor off to the side. 
Nice. You've got me thinking now, like if I do the stand desk thing, maybe I like don't need to get just like a traditional office chair, or like the stool thing. Like I'm thinking back to when I played drums, like I could almost, I remember there's a, a company, I can't remember the company, but makes like a really nice drum throne yeah. that, uh, that has like, you can get a back for it and everything. And those things are actually super comfortable. Yeah. I mean, cause, cause I used to play like hour long gigs in one of those and like never get uncomfortable so i'm almost wondering like maybe i could look at something like that for like the short times i'm sitting or something like that yeah and if you don't have a bad back even like so often like i like i don't like people will say like oh i need some back support yeah um, but you know if you if your back is not if you don't have a bad back you probably don't need the back support of a stool because with a stool you're sitting more upright anyway yeah. Like you, you know, so like you're not, you're not going to lean back. So it's a different way of sitting. Um, there's pros and cons. Yeah. Um, the other thing is like a stool doesn't take up much space. I actually, uh, you could have two, sometimes people have two chairs and they switch yeah. around, they switch around. Yeah. That's and, the other thing I'm thinking stools are smaller. <laughs> they don't take up. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I also have, I found it at a thrift store or one of those kneeling chairs. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, which took a little, uh, it's a little bit different. It takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, so I switch between, that's my the other chair I have access to in my office. So um, it is a different feeling. It's like sometimes I get tired on the stool and I'll switch to that. Sometimes I get tired on that and switch to the stool and that it's on wheels, it rolls out of the way. The stool goes off to the side. I crank, crank up my uh, standing riser and uh, get some work in there. So like the, the thing is just like there's, I will leave you with the, the chair advice is if you find the perfect chair, right? Yeah. What it's designed to do is keep you in that perfect quote unquote position as long as possible. And sitting in one position for a long period of time eventually will catch up to you either way. So you, I'm not saying to, to not get a good chair. But even if you have the best chair in the world, you should find ways to sit, stand, sit differently, stand differently, so your body doesn't get used to one position and uh, and lock itself in, because that's going to lead to repetitive stress, um, back pain, headaches, and all these kinds of things. So an ergonomic chair can be much better than a regular non-ergonomic chair but it's not as good as variety. That's, that's, that's what I, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and it makes sense too, because like lately I've actually been working on this couch behind me a lot because that couch is super comfortable. I'll just take my laptop over there and work. And yeah, I've definitely noticed. I'm like, Oh, it feels it like not necessarily better, but just different. Cause I'm mm -hmm. naturally, sometimes I'll sit cross-legged up there. Sometimes I have my legs on the floor. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, yeah, you're right. Like having the variety is uh yeah, I'm gonna look into the stool thing too, and and also like the the standing desk. I think will be a big game changer for me as well, or or some kind of stand. Uh, my desk is actually like really big, and I'd like to get one that takes up a little less space. So I, okay. I I might try to go with the standing desk thing and get something a little smaller, but we'll see. I guess. So. Okay, I have a blog. I, mean, I can send you a blog post if you want to include it. Um, that that has all of these different tools in it. Um, so you can sort of get an idea. Of, was it, uh, I think it was, it pretty recent, the, about ergonomics and stuff. Yeah. Or was it, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to send it to me, that'd be, that'd be awesome. And I can okay. make sure it gets here in the show notes. So, 
but uh well roland man uh why don't you uh tell everybody you know whatever you want to promote like where people can find you on the web your books membership site like whatever it is you want to talk about yeah if you want to from an author perspective yeah if you want, if, if you were an author and you need some author help, whether it's ergonomic or, or health or productivity habits, you can find me at indestructibleauthor.com. And uh, that's where you'll find everything there. If you're interested in, in just general health and fitness, um, mindfulness, all that, can, you can find me at eatmovelive52.com. Eatmovelive52.com. Perfect. Well, awesome. Well, Roland, man, this is a great conversation. Definitely a, a different one than I've had on any of these, uh, on any of these podcasts so far. So um, I, I definitely appreciate you come on and spend some time with me. Well, it was great. I'm loving the show. Let's listen to everyone so far and I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. Awesome. Well, thank you for your support and thank you for being a guest and uh, we'll talk soon, man. All right. All right. That's All right. Good. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Creator Dad Podcast. I'd like to invite you to join the official Creator Dad Discord community where fellow Creator Dads like you and me connect to discuss our creative endeavors, parenting, relationships, music, movies and TV, sports, money, all the things that dudes love to talk about. Get all the details at patreon.com slash creator dad.